Hi, and welcome to the new episode of Foam Talks. Themed around the latest release, Motherlands, the transnational issue, we will be discussing the political power of images and how they shape our understanding of the world. My name is Elisa Medde. I'm the editor-in-chief of Foam Magazine, and today I will be joined by Tanya Ostwich, a Berlin-based performance and interdisciplinary artist, researcher and educator, internationally renowned as a pioneer of institutional critique from the gender perspective and for her work in the field of socially and politically engaged art and art in the public space. So I'm very, very happy, happy and honored today to have the chance to talk with Tanya Ostovich, um, one of my longtime favorite artists and uh, amazing contributor of the latest issue for magazine, uh, Motherlands, the transnational issue. Hi, Tanya. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to talk uh, with you today. And I feel this is not only a very happy moment in my personal life, but also a very necessary moment in uh, the larger conversation that we've been trying to uh, set up with Motherlands, uh, the magazine, but also because of the broad range of your practice and the activities you've been busy with for the past decades. Uh, you've been active since the 90s, and there's this very... A good definition of what you've been doing. You, you, you're a performance artist whose public interventions revealed increasingly conflicted status of the female migrant, uh, migrant, sorry, in EU countries. And you literally use your own body to perform the border. And I feel that this is a very strong sentence that encompasses a bit the whole spectrum of what you've been engaging with. Would you, would you feel uh, in agreement with it? Well, I agree. It's been really um, a dedicated practice um, uh, with the issue of migration since uh, 2000. So it's been over 20 years with this topic and almost 30 years of my uh, practice in general. It's been a very long journey and uh, I'm... I'm pleased that some of the issues uh, came into public attention, at least. Yeah. And, uh, for example, with your um, issue of uh, foam, um, one could look at different artistic practices around issues of border and uh, racisms. Yeah. How do you feel the situation evolved since... 1999, 2000 to today, because borders have changed a little bit. Uh, back then, there was an Austria-Slovenian border, for example, where you've been staging uh, performances. Now it moved a little, but it feels like the dynamics are perhaps even more complicated. This is quite a demanding question uh, to uh, basically give a political analysis Um you know the issues, the the issues of racism um, that uh, is visible also via the way the borders are protected and uh, how they have been extended is is very interesting. But I I'm not ready to give a, a political an analysis of that. Uh, if we look at uh, uh, concrete borders, you know they are for some people visible, for some they are not. And there, there are many other borders, uh, physical, 
national borders, but also uh, economical and political borders that go much deeper into territories of the borderlands. So we can follow uh, European borders in uh, Central Africa already uh, or much further uh, beyond the the Schengen uh, circle. If we point out to certain borders, uh, there are also some many others that we are not able to point out to. Yeah, and I guess I'm curious to to hear how did you have to adapt your practice to this changing landscape? How because you've always been using your body as the means and the tool to stage your artistic practice and to point a finger into these very complicated conversations, be it alone, as a, as a lonely artist, staging a performance, or either in more recent times, especially with collaboratory practices and involving lots of women and lots of collaborators around your projects. How, how does it feel for you? How did you evolve your uh, methods? Well, my practice has been... Um always uh, collaborative and uh, with the issue of borders I started by um, working from my own position so with a certain passport being a certain passport holder and dealing from a certain gender uh, perspective and from certain geographies and then with the time I expanded this also on other uh, geographies and people. I've done also documentary Sans Papier in 2006. And um, so from basically from year 2000 with the illegal border crossing and waiting for a visa and looking for a husband with the EU passport, um, the projects move into the integration project. And that was documenting the period of time since I uh, came to live in Germany uh, from 2002 on. And then then came the Sans Papier documentary. Then uh, there was a certain period of time in, uh, that I worked uh, with the Naked Life Project, basically looking at the cases of Europe-wide discrimination of uh, Roma and Sinti. And then uh, when these issues uh, became more uh, visible, when more uh, people got involved, especially after uh, Roma artists have been more recognized and given the voice in the artistic space and in the political space as well, I uh, I could give up this issue. Uh, but I also um, quite stopped working with the issues of migration and borders when this became very popular or profitable in the in the art world and uh, and then I turned to the more um, uh, subtle work uh, such as misplaced woman in which um, working have been working in the public space on the base of open call usually publishing open call and then um, getting to produce uh, artworks of a number of people who don't have uh, normally access to the artistic production and also including uh, performance artists and theoreticians, uh, people who had themselves in the first line experience of uh, migration, but both looking at the um, migration as um, in the difficult position to being in the position of uh, uh, privilege, 
so looking at the migration from different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, misplaced woman looks at different notions of misplacement for women. So not only uh, migration, but also questions of gender, uh, accessibility, and all in the public space. Yeah. Um, one thing I've always been very interested and fascinated in your work is how you um, always keep a very strong focus over female issues, women's concerns, the female body, sex at the center of politics. And it has to do with that spectrum that we can, in a way, call femina sacer which builds up from another very broad concept, which is the homosature, and it comes from uh, Roman jurisprudence, for which homosature will be someone that offended divinity or the state in such a way that will be expelled from the rule of law and live in a suspended state for which any public citizen will be able to kill that person with no consequences, yet that person will not be able to be sacrificed. That person belonged to the divinity, with the divinity being able to do with him or her, whatever they wanted to do. So it gives this idea of a very strong and special moment in which a human lives in a state of suspension within all powers, yet it's subjected to those powers. Yet you can't ex accept, you can't uh, move away from those powers. And there is a very broad discussion of that. Agamben built up uh, on these very important ideas and concepts. But what you do in your practice is to look at the ways in which the female body is suspended. And this has changed in 20 years, not for the better, if you ask me, and that's, I think it's quite evident. But when we think of artworks, such as uh, L'Origine du Monde, eh, that also graces uh, your book, and it's on the cover of our magazine, when it first came out in Vienna, it was censored and it was being accused to, of being sexist, of being offensive to the moral from a certain political side, also especially in a moment in which Austria was taking over the presidency of the EU. But just a few months ago was put on the cover of For Magazine and, and it has caused not the similar turmoil, but still on social media, quite some turbulence. So I guess that my question is, how do you feel in always being someone who points at the crack in the system? that always puts the light at very complicated conversations and doesn't shy away from the complexity of these conversations happening? Another very big question. I'm very, very sorry for this. No, thank you so much. This is really, um, th these are really good points, actually. And uh, I really appreciate your, uh, your input. I always try to look at what one uh, has a, a need to express and uh, uh, always at this, uh, looking at the sensitivity of the issues and uh, a need to deal with certain issues. So in these terms, um, working from a gendered perspective and uh, working from the perspective uh, where we feel fragile and exposed and that actually perspective that society 
misplacing us or displacing us. Uh, so this is uh, usually the perspective I work from, um, uh, like pointing out to the problems that uh, bother me really and um, that concern me and uh, other people around me. So this is uh, the reason that many artworks um, speak to certain groups while they don't speak to some other groups. Uh, for me, it's very important that um, the, the work that I do speak to many people that um, are not in the privileged positions and uh, they speak to many women. And uh, uh, from that reason comes uh, such a big body of collaborative work in which uh, certain scores, certain performance scores that uh, I created uh, speak to other women who... Uh, wish to embody them themselves and tell their own stories uh, through those uh, uh, simple uh, performance scores, for example. Um, and um, through or while doing uh, such artistic uh, practice, uh, people feel um, feel somehow healed, or they it helps them process uh, certain issues that uh, they've been exposed to in the family, in the society, at the working place or wherever. So there is this huge body of work that um, is not only um, done in the singular and is not only addressing the audience, but uh, already in the process of becoming influences the society in a certain way. Yeah. I guess it's so much related to what you say, the different groups and the different frameworks especially in which different groups experience a certain body of work. And the choice of addressing political matters also through sex is something that makes life even more difficult in that sense, because we have big issues with sex and we have big issues with the female body and people feel compelled or feel disturbed in seeing a female body, especially when in a specific pose or with specific underwear on or with or without public hair. There was, for example, at a certain point, a conversation going on regarding your image about why doesn't she have public hair visible? And that is something that makes me curious because for, for me and my background, that was not even a point but it made me think of, okay, that is something that might be for me a blind spot that doesn't, you know, I don't see it as much of a, of, of a thing to consider and made me wonder, was that a definite choice for you or, or not? There was a lot of work uh, in which I uh, used, uh, for example, the whole series of uh, works entitled Personal Space uh, was working with the public hair. And uh, the piece I um, took part at the Venice Biennale in 2001, uh, where I had uh, a public hair shaved in the shape of the black square, like mm -hmm. it was referring to the black square on white of the uh, Malevich. Yes. And then the Harold Zeman, the, the famous uh, director of the Venice Biennale, uh, had the right to see that piece and declare it official part of the exhibition that was in the exhibition catalog, but it wasn't on show. 
So they didn't put it in, in the physical space of the exhibition? They didn't exhibit it? Well, I uh, wanted to do it in a way that I'm having an art. It's a conceptual body art piece, uh, basically. That's, that was my decision, not decision of the, of the curator, um, that uh, the art piece is not visible in the exhibition, but um, it is existing and there is the, the trust that it exists. Okay. And that the curator has a right to see it and to declare it official part of the exhibition. I was distributing small postcards that were showing this black square on white and uh, explaining this conceptual art piece. So I worked there with the with the public here, and um, this piece um, was one of early gender perspective critique of the institutional critique. Uh, in the same time, I performed um, I'll Be Your Angel, a piece in which I was escorting uh, this uh, director. Uh, I was dressed in Christian Lacroix uh, and walking around Venice with him uh, during four days of the Biennale. So these uh, two pieces had uh, invisible connection and they were both uh, official parts of the exhibition. But I was in this way uh, performing uh, critique, institutional critique um, from the gender perspective. There, the, the hair, the body hair, uh, played its role, while in the, in the piece of uh, personal space, there was no body hair. There was no hair on my head, neither. Like in the looking for a husband with the EU passport, but uh, in that piece, uh, there was no body hair because the aesthetics of the piece was uh, calling for the image that resembles um, a bit of rather concentration camp aesthetics than ad for a, for a husband in which women um, are not much dressed, but they are always dressed. And uh, if you look at the RussianBride.com or AsianBride.com, uh, you will see that they're That's always the aesthetic. always having some gesture of smile, inviting gesture, smile, and some clothes on, uh, attractive clothes, right? So um, my idea was to be opposite, to, to create aesthetics that is opposite of that. So not to have any body and uh, pubic hair and um, to have a um, kind of rather refru- refusal um, a bodily expression. Uh, non-inviting, and uh, in the in the case of uh, after Corbie, because the the original uh, Origine du Monde actually shows all the body hair, the idea was uh, to to cover uh, basically sex with those underwear, and the body hair belongs to the sex. Therefore, it was as well uh, covered. Yes, uh, may I ask you what is your relation with social media? Because you've always been so much engaged in the public space, especially in a period in which the public space was the, um, a bit more of the agora, huh? the, 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 the location in which communities and audiences will cool the experience an art performance or an art piece and then have a conversation about it. Now that shifted a bit and so much happens in the, in the online world and especially on social media. Uh, how, how's your relation with that? Yeah, that's a very good question because um, a lot of my work uh, happens in the public space. And um, I, I can say the entire uh, Misplaced Woman project uh, that has been running from 2009 to 2022, uh, basically over 13 years, uh, 
all the performances or like hundreds of performances happened in what we believe is a public space or actually always trying to figure out what we imagine is a public space. Is it really a public space uh, and what we can do in this space? All those spaces that became shopping malls, <laughs> like uh, train stations, airports, uh, ports, uh, streets. And in many uh, of those negotiated public spaces, it was uh, difficult to work. Uh, also at some places that one would uh, imagine that one could express uh, herself. In certain countries, it was uh, rather possible, but in countries like uh, Austria or Turkey, it was extremely difficult to work in the public space. And uh, we have been uh, pushed away by um, nationalist groups or by uh, like a nationalist activist or by uh, police. And I really uh, argue for the real public spaces and uh, what is possible to do uh, in them. Uh, and they are, for me personally, much more important than the, the social media. Also, when I was doing the looking for a husband with the EU passport, that was one of the early media works. But in that time, we didn't have Facebook and we didn't have chat rooms. So basically, all the contributions and commentary came via email. Uh, very few via uh, physical letters, uh, but it was a different mode of communication. And uh, I think it was more um, more private and was more um, elaborate as well, because nowadays people can uh, comment on everything and uh, very quickly, and uh, it, it changes the dynamics. Yes. Uh, changes from the like our early uh, uh, media work. For example, it might happen that uh, uh, I send uh, an ad, the ad for the husband to a friend, and I, I typed uh, one letter wrong, and it ends up at the city network administrator. And then oh. this administrator <laughs> gets this picture and then starts writing me. That was the case with one of the of the applicants. Of the applicants, who, right? Yeah, wow. who, who was like a, a city media administrator because I was emailing to the circle of people that I knew, expecting from them to give a certain statement to a certain topic. And then it happened that it just suddenly went out of this and then a person who wasn't like a ready in, in the way the, the others uh, perhaps were, uh, started to question, you know, why you had this shaved and, and so on. Uh, so this was quite interesting. Uh, and then once the work was published on a, on a homepage of the Remont uh, Artist Association in Belgrade, it was overtaken and republished by a number of magazines without basically my permission. So this was also like, uh, even sometimes not signed, uh, and decontextualized basically uh, so this was my experience with the uh, with the internet back then that people would just take your image and then publish it somewhere else and maybe perhaps in some church magazine in Scandinavia writing about migration you know so it was quite uh, diverse and quite interesting the way the work um or the image of the work was perceived and uh, was distributed and, and so on. How, how, how was the reaction of the applicants 
at that point? They were very diverse. As you, you've seen, uh, we, we've published, republished some of them in the in film. Yes. Um, it was a while ago, like over 20 years ago. And um, some people were reacting in a, a sexual way, like uh, uh, offering um, basically to be lovers. Uh, some others uh, uh, were asking about the issues. Um, uh, some others uh, were kind of kept surprised, but really, really diverse. Back then, um, same-sex marriages uh, were just starting and um, they were, I think, only in Holland. Yes, maybe in Sweden. Sweden is one of the countries that has the worst uh, uh, migration laws for the marriages between um, Swedish and non-Swedish partners. I think you are you get permission to live in Sweden only after seven years of marriage. That's the most years uh, from all other countries in Europe. So Sweden has the most discriminative uh, rights um, in these terms um, ever since. Uh, yeah, working with those issues, um, I really uh, was an expert back then and uh, uh, also took part in uh, activist conferences and um, also advising other people on marriages. But... Uh, what you asked about actually was about this female perspective and um, it is actually the the woman in the context of migration is more exposed, definitely. And uh, having talked to a number of, for, for example, uh, refugees on the Balkan route that was uh, stopped a few years ago, one would meet mainly younger and fitter uh, male migrants uh, because it is very demanding for women, especially women with kids, especially single women, to, to be uh, on the road. Um, yeah. I think this is one of the reasons why the conversation you try relentlessly to make happen about the public space is so important because it has to do with visibility and it has to do with vulnerability. And still nowadays, if you see something happening in the streets, in the squares, on the real public space that you inhabit for whatever reason, there's a chance that you are forced to look at it. You have to see it. You have to take note. You can't look away. Whereas with things happening on social media, which is so often in recent times our elected space for activism or protest or discussion, it's still mediated by an algorithm that tells you what to look at. So it becomes a bubble. It's very complicated on social media to be exposed to content you wouldn't look at otherwise. Whereas if something happens on the street or on the public space, the type of audience that you reach is way more random. It's way more dictated by the types of communities and groups that navigate that space normally for other reasons, not because of that artwork. So, And to point the finger on that vulnerability, on that invisibility, on things that happen anyways, but we just don't look at them. And I'm thinking, for example, it's happening these days and the country I come from, Italy, has a boat docked in Catania with more than 200 people on board and the government is trying to make selective 
allowances for people to get on land and the others are considered to be residual load. That's how they've been defined from um, from the uh, uh, head of ministry in the country. So there is this big issue with invisibility and vulnerability that inevitably has to do with the female body or the, the vulnerable body or um, the not fit for work body, or not fit for uh, adversity or considered not fit for whatever uh, definition we might come up with that makes what you do even more important. Necessary, I feel. And this was not really a question, but for me to, to say, um, how will, I'm thinking, how will misplaced women be concluded? Because it started in 2009, it consisted of so many appearances and pieces in the public space that you say they feel it's concluded in 2022. Will you, will, are you thinking of any ways to historicize it or make it? Yeah, thanks. I mean, with the exhibition in Istanbul, uh, we tried to uh, make a retrospective of the project where uh, a number of performance scores are published, um, uh, both in the reader and in the exhibition. And uh, there is a, a number of performances that are presented in the form of photography, video, uh, drawing uh, or artifacts coming out of those scores or expanding uh, on them, or even creating new scores uh, as individual or collective actions that are also a matter of uh, individual uh, collective authorship. And um, uh, we have uh, made this exhibition uh, on over 420 square meter in Depo, Istanbul, that is a very important venue for uh, socially engaged art. I mean, according to me, uh, it's also completed uh, via such exhibition and via those uh, international community gatherings where misplaced women from different countries um, are having the opportunity of uh, getting together and uh, performing or re-performing some of um, other people's performances. The project could also uh, extend as a festival or uh, something like that, because it also basically allows the women who were not able to attend to maybe have others perform their pieces, or it's also uh, available as a downloading scores for people uh, at other places to download and try out. Yeah. It could continue with further exhibitions and books, Exactly. Yeah. Um, for any one of our listeners um, interested in this, there's a website that has been documenting yes. all the performances and steps, which is called misplacedwomen.wordpress.com and a publication, Misplaced Women 2009-2022, a collaborative art project that can be uh, available via your personal website, right? Yes, I could uh, I could also ship those uh, uh, readers, but they are also available as a free download in the PDF format from my Academia page. All right. So far, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Tanya. This has been a enlightening chat for me, and I very much look forward into finding ways to collaborate again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. <laughs> Bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Foam Talks. You can find the latest issue of Foam magazine Motherlands, the transnational issue, at the book section of Paris Photo from the 10th until the 13th of November at the best bookshops around the globe or online on our website foam.org. Keep an eye on our social media for the upcoming episode and thank you always for supporting us. Viva! Viva!